The second reading is found in Paul's letter to the Roman Christians, chapter 12. This will serve as the basis for our meditation this morning. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your appropriate worship. Also, do not continue to conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you test and approve what is the will of God, what is good, pleasing, and perfect. So by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think in a way that results in sound judgment, as God distributed a measure of faith to each of you. For we have many members in one body, and not all the members have the same function. In the same way, though we are many, we are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. We have different gifts according to the grace God has given us. The gift is prophecy. Do it in complete agreement with the faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then encourage. If it is contributing, be generous. If it is leadership, be diligent. If it is showing mercy, do it cheerfully. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What a waste. ESPN reports the downfall of another star athlete, extraordinarily gifted, just beyond compare in his or her sport. And yet, as soon as that talent brought them wealth, they, their lives were ruined. What a waste. Another former child star with tremendous musical or theatrical skills uh, gets unflattering pictures posted all over the tabloids of, of them bottoming out with drugs and alcohol. What a waste. A loved one, gifted with great intelligence, chooses to just slide through school and try to slide through life, not trying to actually use the gifts that God has given to them. What a waste. A friend who you were sure was going to be most likely to succeed ends up getting in trouble and ruining their life. What a waste. What do you think, why, or why do you think that when when, someone, when you see the gifted and talented fall into ruin, when an athlete or a celebrity or a loved one or a friend is, is truly gifted, we take notice. We see the potential. We see the possibility. We see the, the talent. We see the gifts. And, and then as time goes on and those gifts are used poorly or they're used for the wrong reason or they're neglected, you, you can't help but think to yourself, what a waste. But what about the use of your gifts and talents? Do you ever uh, look back and regretfully wonder if you could have used your gifts in some way better, in a better way? Perhaps you haven't even had that thought yet, or, or perhaps you haven't thought about the fact that you could waste the gifts that God has given to you. Yet today our God urges us to be faithful with every gift that he gives to each of us as we live to serve him. Now I hate to admit it, but, but Satan really knows what he's doing. He's more crafty and deceitful than we give him credit for. He knows that most of us, uh, most of us are not likely to fall into temptation with the big, obvious, in-your-face kind of sins, you know, like murder and, and stealing and adultery things. Now, there's some Christians who do fall into those temptations. But he, he has to change his tactic. He's got to be a little craftier with us. And, and so uh, to get us to fall to something a little bit more subtle, he makes you comfortable. He makes you lazy. 
even apathetic. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church nearly every week. I donate money. Maybe I even help out. I devote a couple hours each week to spending time with God like I'm supposed to do. That's good enough, right? Sadly, that comfortable, apathetic attitude is just as dangerous as the racy ad or the lure of earthly wealth. If, sin can, if Satan can get you to, to think that your life of service to the Lord and your life of worship consists of about one to two hours spent here each weekend, then you have a problem. Is such a short-sighted, limited view of serving the Lord and worshiping Him really a faithful use of the gifts that God has given to you? In reality, Satan is trying to weaken your faith in Jesus, kind of like, like muscles that don't get used. That if you don't use them and you don't keep, like, keep them strong and, and, and working out, if, if you don't do anything with those muscles, that over time, eventually, they weaken and become useless with, with atrophy. That's what Satan's trying to do with your faith. So what can you do? How, how can you escape that dangerous apathy towards serving the Lord? Well, this morning in Romans 12, the Apostle Paul has an answer for us. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, or, or maybe we might even, the familiar in view of God's mercy is also another way to understand that, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your appropriate worship. Be a living sacrifice. I mean, what comes to mind when you hear that word sacrifice? You probably think of, of someone giving their life or something giving its life for others or for someone else. You, know, you think of like a, a, a soldier making the ultimate sacrifice for the, the folks in his unit or for his buddies. Or you, you think of someone giving their life in defense of her country. Uh, the Old Testament priests, they sacrificed bulls and goats and sheep to the Lord on behalf of the people of Israel. They would literally slaughter those animals and then they would, depending on the type of sacrifice, they would take either a portion of the sacrifice of the animal or the entire animal and it would go up, be put placed on the altar and go up in flames. That portion or that animal were sacrificed in fire as devoted to the Lord. If Paul urges you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That phrase, living sacrifice, sounds almost like a contradiction in terms. But it's not. How can a sacrifice to the Lord be living? Rather than bring animals to the Lord for sacrifice, God calls us to devote our lives to Him. Every moment, every gift, all of it, to the true God. And yet, how can you devote your life as a living sacrifice to the Lord and offer appropriate worship? You see, there's a problem. On your own, on my own, not a single one of us can offer anything that is holy and pleasing to God. By nature, each and every one of us is selfish. Each and every one of us is self-centered. Yeah, we have gifts, we have talents, we have treasures, we have time. But by nature, not a single one of us wants to devote any of that to God. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll, I'll devote it to, you know, maybe I'll use some of those gifts to, or put some of that, those gifts and talents to use for other people. But, but so often... When I do that, there's at least a little bit of self-centered motivation behind it. Makes you look good in the community or in the eyes of your boss or in the eyes of your family or friends. Maybe it even, in my, in my heart of hearts, I might even think that it makes me look good in the eyes of God, or at least that's what I fool myself into thinking, when really what we deserve is what our self-centeredness should get us. We're not good enough for the holy God, and he certainly doesn't like who we are by nature. 
We deserve his wrath and rejection for our selfish efforts. So how can Paul urge us to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God? Well, right before he says that, that little phrase, by the mercies of God, or as I mentioned, another way to to translate that in an appropriate way is in view of God's mercy. Do you understand what that means? Rather than look at you with the wrath you deserve, God looks at you with love. He looks at you through eyes of full of mercy and compassion. That mercy moved him to make reality what all those Israelite sacrifices were foreshadowing. God sent his son to be the ultimate sacrifice for you and me. And rather than punish us for our self-centered guilt, our selfless Savior was truly a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. His entire life was devoted to faithfully using all of his gifts as one who is truly God and truly human to be our substitute in life. Kids, confirmation kids, we talked about that yesterday, remember? And then he gave himself up as the perfect sacrifice for all the guilt of our sins. God received that sacrifice and it pleased him because it paid the price to reconcile us with him. With that same mercy, God then took sinful human beings, he took you and me, and transformed us from being his mortal enemies, worthless, hostile enemies, and transformed us into his beloved sons and daughters. And now, by the mercies of God, now in view of God's mercy, your life is a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Your life is devoted to worshiping our merciful God who saved you from eternity in hell. You faithfully use your God-given gifts, not for yourself, but as a daily sacrifice of thanks to the one who rescued you. Now, if Paul is urging us to use all our God-given gifts, your talents, your time, your treasures in God's service, or how are you going to do that? Well, he encourages you and me to be humble as we use God's gifts. He says, So by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think in a way that results in sound judgment as God distributed a measure of faith to each of you. Why would Paul encourage us to be humble with the gifts that God has given us. Well, Paul wants you to realize that every one of those gifts, every physical gift, every spiritual gift, every material gift that you possess comes from the hand of your gracious God. Not a single one of us has earned or deserved any of it. Not, not, uh, no blessing, no, no gift, no talent, no treasure from God. Yet in his mercy, he pours out gifts on each of us in, in just tremendous abundance, even the faith even the faith that's been distributed to us. As Paul says, as God distributed a measure of faith to each of you. Think about that. Even your faith is a gift that comes solely from God himself. And that makes you part of something bigger. Paul goes on. For we have many members in one body, and not all the members have the same function. In the same way, though we are many, we are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. We have different gifts according to the grace God has given us. Now if you read, not just here in Romans, but in 1 Corinthians and elsewhere, Paul loves to use that picture of the body of Christ to describe the Christian church. Basically that the Christian church, Christ is the head, and each of us is the body parts. Arms, legs, hands, feet, fingernails, all of us. We're all parts of that body of Christ. 
And as with the human body, where each part has a unique function to assist the body or to make sure that it's all functioning in a healthy way, so also each of us has different roles, different callings, different functions within this body of Christ. As parts of Christ's body, we are to work together with, the follow, with, the, uh, with all the different gifts that God provides to his church. Our talents, abilities, interests, time, energy, treasures. God takes each and every one of us as part of this body of Christ. All used together, all those gifts used together to serve the same Lord of the church. So what gifts has the Lord given you? How can you faithfully use the gifts that God has given to you? Well, Paul goes on. He says, If the gift is prophecy, do it in complete agreement with the faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then encourage. If it is contributing, be generous. If it is leadership, be diligent. If it is showing mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, this isn't like the be-all and end-all list of, of the gifts that God gives out. It's not a complete list. But the Lord gives us this gift list to make each of us start thinking about how we can serve him by the mercies of God, how we can serve him in view of God's mercy. So for example, if the Lord has given you the ability to expound and explain God's word to young and old, then in view of God's mercy, do use that gift in complete agreement with the faith. If the Lord has given you a servant's heart, then in view of God's mercy, use that gift. If the Lord has enabled you to teach children or adults, then in view of God's mercy, use that gift. If the Lord has given you a heart that, that desires and yearns to encourage your fellow believers, then in view of God's mercy, use that gift. If the Lord has given you earthly treasures, perhaps even abundantly, then use that gift. In view of God's mercy, use that gift generously. If the Lord has molded you into a shepherd of a flock or a leader of God's people, then in view of God's mercy, use that gift diligently. If the Lord has given you the ability and desire to show, show mercy to those in need, then in view of God's mercy, use that gift cheerfully. But maybe your gift isn't part of this list or the gifts that God has given you. Maybe your gift is, is prayer. Maybe it's using your hands to build and fix. Maybe it's a love to, uh, for souls that want to tell other people about Jesus. Maybe it's artistic or musical gifts that God has given to you. Maybe it's supporting those who serve in public ministry. Maybe it's having a welcoming spirit. There's certainly gifts that God has given to his church now in the 21st century that weren't really needed 2,000 years ago. However God has gifted you, and he has gifted every one of you from the youngest to the oldest, in view of God's mercy, by the mercies of God, use your gifts in his service. No matter the gifts that God has given you, their highest and best use is always in service to him. Now that doesn't mean that your highest and best use of, of your God-given gifts always has to be in church or at some church function. After all, God has graciously given each of us unique holy callings in the home, in society, and in church. And we serve him by serving others in those holy callings. Yet no matter your unique calling, no matter your gift, the Lord wants you to use his gifts and not just go and bury it and ignore it and go when he comes back again going, here, look what I did with the gift you gave me. Nothing. Our God has given each of us precious gifts purely out of unconditional love. Gifts not to be foolishly wasted. So what will you do with the gifts that God has given you? Because each of us has a different set. How will you use those gifts? 
by the mercies of God. In the view of God's mercy, we use them faithfully. We serve Him faithfully. We use them diligently. We can use them cheerfully. We use them ultimately to the glory and praise of our merciful God. Amen.